Thank you, Celestial Bells. What a beautiful job. I know they take a, a lot of uh, great rehearsal time to prepare this moment of worship, and we appreciate that so much. Thank you. Well, welcome to First Baptist Church, Sun City West. We thank you for taking the time to come today. Live stream, thank you for taking the opportunity, wherever you are, to, uh, to plug in and worship with us today. If this is the very first uh, time that you've been with us, we'd love for you to take the gift, the card that's in front of you in the pew, fill it out, drop it in the uh, boxes when you leave today. We would certainly appreciate that very much. Uh, this morning, our whole focus is on worship. We've already begun that process, and uh, there is nothing more amazing than worship that focuses upon what Christ has done for us. Or is that not the only reason we worship, is to give God the glory and honor and praise that only he deserves. And this morning, after our prayer time, we're going to move right into the observance of our Lord's Supper. The Lord's Supper is a beautiful symbol. It's a symbol that Christ said, remember. Remember. And when you do this, remember the sacrifice. That it's not us. It's all him. Join me in prayer, please. Father, thank you for the time that you've given us this morning already to worship. And I pray that you would give us an understanding. That, Father, this morning as we begin with a very solemn observance, that we understand the full benefit, the full understanding. The juice representing the blood of Christ. The bread representing his crushed body. And what the scripture tells us is that this was your plan. It's not that we can work harder. It's not that we can get smarter. It's not that we can be more faithful or more committed that brings salvation and grace and forgiveness into our lives, but it's only the blood of Christ. The blood of Christ, the resurrected Lord, that transforms us. And I pray, Father, in humility that we would come to this hour. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Isaiah chapter 53, verses 5 and following, says that he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like the lamb to the slaughter, as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. Yet who of his generation protested? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people he was punished. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Though he had done no violence, nor was there any deceit in his mouth, yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin, he will see his offspring and prolong his days, and the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. It is a powerful text looking 800 years down the road when Christ would suffer. Everything we talked about during Holy Week, the celebration of Easter, 
the communication that Peter made with Cornelius and now to this place reflecting upon Isaiah's words the celebration that he was a sin offering and also the celebration that God would prolong his days the resurrection and he prolongs our lives for eternity if we allow him to be the Savior and the Lord of our life would you please just bow your head in preparation for the observance of the Lord's Supper and prepare yourself if you would Father, we are grateful to come here at this Lord's Supper, which we are commanded to do in remembrance of your great sacrifice for us. Thank you, Father, for your tremendous love. Say, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, whoever believed in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Thank you now, Father, when you say it was finished, certainly indeed is finished. Thank you, Father, again, for your faithfulness and your goodness. Now we have a high priest, Lord, that we come directly before your throne, that we may find grace and mercy. We didn't deserve it, but you love us that much. So now, Father, we ask forgiveness for our failure, where we have failed. And we ask, Father, that we may come brightly before your throne. Bless us, Father, in Jesus' name.
Jesus said, take eat, this is my body.
Jesus said, remember. Drink ye all of it. For this is my blood of the covenant, which has been spilt out for many for the forgiveness of sins. But I tell you the truth. I'm not drink from this fruit of the vine from now until the time I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. The scripture tells us that they finished the Passover and after Jesus instituted the new covenant, the Lord's Supper, the Bible says that they stood and they sang a hymn, they worshiped <coughs> before going out to the Mount of Olives. I'm going to ask you if you would to stand. Let's continue our time of worship.
Good morning, church. Are you ready to pray? Let us go to the Lord in prayer. Good morning, Father. Abba. We just come. We come to you this morning in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son. Thanking you, Lord, for all that you've done for us, the way that you show your love for us, for taking in your table this morning, Lord Jesus Christ, your love, your love for us. May we return <clears throat> that love. May you continue to refine us and show us how to love you more. We look forward to your message this morning, the time of praise and worship, the honor of, of being able here to praise, to praise and worship you. We look forward to your message through Pastor Kennedy this morning. Thank you, Father. Thank you so much for your love for us. May we return that to you today. May your spirit flow in our lives. In your precious name, Lord Jesus Christ, amen. Worthy of worship, indeed he is.
Our, our scripture reading for this morning is Psalm 24, which can be found in the Pew Bible, or you may follow along on the screen. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. For he founded it on the seas and established it on the waters. Who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? The one who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not trust in an idol or swear by a false god. They receive blessing from the Lord and vindication from God their Savior. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face, God of Jacob. Lift up your heads, you gates. Be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, you gates. Lift them up, you ancient doors, for the king of glory may for the king of glory may come in. Who is he, this king of glory? The Lord Almighty, he is the king of glory. These are the words of the Lord.
powerful message. There is something about the worship experience. Once a year, Israel used to gather all over, from all over Palestine. In fact, even beyond Palestine to celebrate the Passover. It was one of the greatest feasts that Palestine, the Israelites, that the Jews had. They used to camp on the hills surrounding Jerusalem. And on the first day of Passover, they converged on the Golden Gate, on the Eastern Wall, just before the temple. And as they came forward, all of these to come and worship at Passover time. They sang the Psalms. They lifted up their voices. And the 24th Psalm was one of their favorites. What was Passover like in the time of Jesus? Well, Josephus, a Jewish historian contemporary to the Gospel writers, he wrote that on Passover, the population of Jerusalem swelled to over two million people. The Jews made the pilgrimage from all over, from Israel, from Asia Minor, everywhere. They focused upon this annual celebration, celebrating Israel's liberation from their slavery in Egypt. Ancient pilgrims, he said, they had to be in the vicinity of Jerusalem at least seven days prior to Passover. Can you imagine the crescendo of tens of thousands of people converging upon Jerusalem singing the psalms in celebration. Now that was a worship experience. <laughs> so what should worship be for us? Well, I think this passage of Scripture gives us some good ideas. Number one, I think worship is a personal experience. We worship corporately as the body of Christ, but it affects each one of us differently. In verse 3, the psalmist said, who may ascend the mountain of the Lord, who may stand in his holy place? As a matter of background, we find that as the people gather together, and you could just imagine the tens of thousands gathering together, the emotional and spiritual expectation must have been tremendous. Can you imagine the joy that they would see with people all around? Some they knew, some they didn't, but it was all for one purpose. To celebrate what God had done. What each person gained depended upon their own preparation and attitude. I think someplace we have lost the emphasis on how to prepare to worship and to meet God. The first part of verse 4 gives us the answer to what David asked in verse 3. Who can come and ascend to the mountain of God and stand in his holy place he said, the one has, who has clean hands and a pure heart, 
and does not trust in an idol or swear by a false god. That's the person who can come before the Lord. The one with clean hands and a pure heart. The one who's not trusting in anything else except the Lord God Almighty. David is saying if you're going to truly worship the Almighty, you've got to come to him with repentance and humility. And that takes preparation. That takes preparation of heart and spirit and mind with a complete focus upon God as we gather together. Whether it be in your personal time of worship or whether it is a corporate worship setting like we're in today. You know, for some, to worship means to be in the worship service at 10.30 on a Sunday morning. And when they have done that, they feel like, I have, I have worshipped. It's almost like a, a fulfillment of duty, which God does say, don't let us forsake the assembling of ourselves together. For some, to worship God means to find answers when they're really hurting, going through painful experiences. For some, to worship means that they are getting affirmation of what they have studied, what they think they know the Scripture has to say, and, and they're hearing that affirmation or that encouragement to dig even farther. For some, to worship means that they put everything else out of their mind and they prepare their heart and their spirit and their mind to hear from and to glorify God who is only the one to be worshipped. You see, it's all about God. We come to learn. We come to celebrate together. We come to share joy. We come to cognitively be challenged in our journey of our intimacy with God. It's a lifelong process. Worship, true worship, means we are here to give him honor and praise and glory, to celebrate who he is. All of us gather, as we gather together, you, you can just imagine on an ongoing basis the climate of worship and excitement that builds. As we know the Holy Spirit is going to be in our midst, at least that's our prayer. And the Holy Spirit is going to speak to us that we have prepared ourselves. And all, over all these years, close to 40 years now, I have often wondered why is it that the same music sung and the same sermon preached in the same worship center will be inspiring to some and to others they have not encountered God or they feel as if they're not being fed. And I wish I had great answers for that. And I don't have them. But I think there are three things that play a part as I've analyzed this over the years. Some must be the life circumstances that we find ourselves in. Some are expectations, what we're expecting. And some are preparation, how we prepare. Remember, worship is personal and it's something between me and God. And so when I gather together by myself or when I gather together in a corporate worship setting, the focus is on preparing myself to meet God, to listen to what he has to say through the music, through the message, through every single element of our worship experience. Secondly, 
I think that worship should be a happy experience. I don't want it to be drudgery. I want it, don't want it to be something that's just rope memory or something that's a routine, a, a rut that we get in. Verse 5 says that they will receive blessing from the Lord and vindication from God their Savior. And we, we see that, that David is saying, who, who can ascend to the mountain of God, to his holy place? And he answers it, the one with the clean hands and a pure heart, one who is not trusting in anything else except the Lord God Almighty, says they shall receive blessing from God and vindication, that you are right to focus upon God and God alone. As we look at the background in Psalm 24, the worship experience was so thrilling for the, uh, the Jewish people during Passover, and the seven days leading up to it, and, and the celebration itself. It was a powerful moment. It was something that you would take your kids to, and your kids, when they grew up, they would take their kids to. It was something very special. In fact, it was so thrilling that as they returned home, they would discuss what happened, how they met God, what God did through that course of time in their point of celebration and worship. And then they would plan for next year's Passover. <coughs> this is what we're going to do next year. We're going to set aside this time. And it's going to be a time of preparation for us. I remember sitting mesmerized listening to my grandfather and my father as they talked about the happy experiences that they had as they discussed the old brush arbors, the old revivals back in the homestead days in New Mexico. They talk about how the people would get together. It was one huge family in that region coming together to worship Almighty God and what God did. In those days, they used to dream and plan for those revival meetings. It was something everybody in the community talked about. It was something that they had fond remembrances of and happy experiences that lives were changed. It always began on the third Sunday of August, and it ran for two weeks. It was thrilling as I was a kid listening to those experiences. And they always planned right afterwards for that next, that next time of revival. Well, we are fortunate because we don't have to just look at an annual experience Every single Sunday we come together and we worship God. Every single day, each one of us individually, we set our time aside to meet God on an ongoing basis to worship Him. And I think we need to recapture that kind of happiness in our, in our time of worship. Even in our retirement years, frankly, I found that uh, our, our people are so pressed with things to do with decisions to make, that sometimes we have trouble relaxing and enjoying the fellowship with God. I can't tell you how many of you have said to me, a Pastor, I'm busier now than I was when I was working. <laughs> There's so many things, really, that have to be done. Before my father died, he told me this, he said, over 50 years have come and gone, and those revivals seem only like yesterday. 
He said you could hear people singing as they came in groups from all directions, from all over the Pie Town area to that, that Brush Arbor, just outside of that one-room schoolhouse slash church. He said they came walking, they came in wagons, some came in those old Model T's. <laughs> but he said you could just sense the excitement and the happiness because the closer folks came to that time, the more excitement they had, the more expression and anticipation of what God was going to do because they knew in times past, and they believed it in the times ahead, that they would experience the presence of God. We need that kind of anticipation when we come together and worship. Worship should be a happy experience. The creator of the universe has set time aside for us to communicate with him. Wow. Third, worship should be a musical experience. We have a wonderful worship music ministry here with so many different elements. Think about the Israelites for a moment. Can you imagine the emotional and spiritual excitement building and building as the people sometimes traveled for more than a week to get to Jerusalem, to camp out under the stars? They thought about the joy. They thought about the celebration. And I can just imagine the closer and the closer they came to Jerusalem, the greater the thrill would become until all of these groups of people that were traveling together or close together, they began just bringing their singing voices out, singing the psalms with excitement and anticipation. It is a musical expression. We even look at the first century Jews when they finished celebrating the Passover meal. They would sop and they would sing the psalms of praise and thanksgiving. The men, the women, and the children. They all sang. We catch this, a small glimpse of this in Mark's gospel when Jesus and the disciples had finished the Passover meal and Jesus had instituted the new covenant of the Lord's Supper. And the Bible says, and they sang a hymn. They worshiped all of these men. <laughs> they worshiped. They lifted their voices. Didn't matter if they were in tune or not. The Bible doesn't tell us. It just says they sang because they were worshiping Almighty God. I think singing is a true expression of worship. Spoken words can really never express the joy and intimacy of the human heart. In a sermon, I can tell you the truth about the things of God, but I can't really express what's in my heart. The words just aren't capable of really communicating what's in here. It's very hard to communicate, but music and singing can touch the human heart and share the joy in our heart better than anything else. Whether you can sing or you can't sing. My dad used to say, man, I can't carry a, a musical note in a bucket. And he was right. He couldn't, but it didn't stop him from lifting his voice to sing because it expressed in his heart. That's what it does for us. God has given us the gift of music to express ourselves in our worship before him.
It takes the deepest hungerings and words that we have. And we're able to connect with God's Spirit. Fifth, worship should be a time of eager expectation. Here we find that by the time the Jewish people reached the temple, they expected something wonderful to happen. There was always this understanding. As we came, and as we get closer, and as we talked with others, they would say, are you experiencing it? Do you sense what God's going to do? What do you think God's going to do this time? How, how do you think God's presence is going to show himself? Expectation. Looking at uh, a different one of the Jewish festivals or feasts, it's the focus, the celebration of the Day of Atonement. An early writer described it this way. The people gathering together again over the hills of Jerusalem. He said, as the blood was sprinkled on the altar, the mighty shout went up from thousands of people gathered to worship, and the shout was so loud that it could be heard over all the hills surrounding Jerusalem. <laughs> I would love for us to lift our voices and to sing and give him the praise and honor and glory and open the doors and let all of our neighborhood hear what we're doing. Wouldn't that be all right? As the high priest sprinkled the blood on the altar, God wiped the sins of Israel away for another year, and all of the people felt it, and they experienced it. And they lifted their voices in thanksgiving because he did it. They couldn't. Every single week when we gather together and every single day when we have our personal time of worship, we ought to be thankful to him because he did what we could not do. It goes back to verse 5. They will receive the blessings from God and vindication. The blessings. That's what we experience. That's what we feel when we make the connection with God. When we're worshiping Him and the power of the Holy Spirit comes in this place and touches our lives because of how we have prepared ourselves, we find that it's all about God and God will respond to that. And He will bring, bring blessings beyond our understanding when we connect with Him. <coughs> when we really prepare and expect to encounter God and worship, God is going to fill us with the consciousness of his presence. And that's what we want. Verse 6 expresses that. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face, God of Jacob. The idea is that we seek him. There's a lot of good reasons to come to church. But the number one reason is for us to gather together to worship him. And him alone. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face, the very heart of God. Last, I think worship should be a trusting experience. The 24th Psalm is a psalm of trust. 
It's one of the psalms, as I said, that they sang as they converged upon the, the temple, but there was another one that there was a favoritist too. And I, I've lift, listed two verses of the 121st psalm. I will lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. These are words of trust. I will, definitive, emphatic, I will lift my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? Question mark. An affirmation. My help comes from the Lord. And even deeper theologically, the maker of heaven and earth. The words of trust, because the one who created everything, the one who is the maker of heaven and earth, the one who in verse 1 says, listen, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. He's the one we can trust. He's the one that we are to go to. He's the one that we're to worship. It is a trusting experience. We find that God is worthy of our trust. Now, can worship give us that kind of confidence that, that the writer of Psalm 121 says? I believe so. I think the answer is yes, because God has always been trustworthy, even when we have not been. He has offered to restore our relationship and our fellowship through Jesus Christ. He promises us, and he fulfills every promise he has made to us in his word. Even in the times of difficulty and in a temporal world that we live in, we can trust and worship God, the God of creation, the God of life, the God of eternal life. Our help comes not from people, not from entities, not from possessions, not from power. Our help comes only from God the psalmist says my help comes from the lord the maker of heaven and earth and i believe that this is something to worship about <laughs> i believe that this is something that should be our goal every single time we come together corporately or individually in our time to give god the praise and the glory and honor that only he deserves and why does he deserve this psalm 24 says the earth is the lord's and everything in it the world and all who live in it for he founded it on the seas and established it on the waters any of us that think we have a claim to anything needs to go back and understand that no we are the creation the one who created everything as the psalmist says everything in it even specifically and all who live in it hey that's you and me <laughs> it's the lord's we are the lord's and so our praise should be to him david concluded the psalm with these words lift up your heads you gates be lifted up you ancient doors that the king of glory may come in in other words don't lock him out don't close him down be open to him. When you come together, let, let God speak. Let God in. Let him, through the power of his spirit, speak to us. But then the question is, who is the king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty. The Lord mighty in battle. 
Lift up your heads, you gates, lift them up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is the King of glory? Listen to these last words. The Lord Almighty, He is the King of glory. We are to give Him the glory. So I'm asking you to lift up your head, to lift up your heart, to lift up your spirit, to lift up your mind, to lift up your voice, to worship the Almighty with joy and gladness, with clean hands and a pure heart. That's what I'm asking. Father, as we move into our time of invitation, I ask you very specifically, today has been a day set aside to thank you for your son's sacrifice to come together to lift up our voices to understand worship and when we boil it down God it is worshiping you putting everything else out of our minds allowing your spirit to speak to us so that we can experience your presence every time we come together each and every Sunday and each and every day by ourselves and I pray today God whatever it takes for us to come to that place help us as believers to rededicate or recommit our lives allow the time for us to make the decision to let you be the Lord the director of our lives help us God to remember our place and your place and humbly thank you for your unconditional love and grace and mercy and forgiveness so we bow before you, rededicating ourselves. And this morning, for some, maybe to give our lives to you for the very first time. For some to say, today is the day I want to be a part of this fellowship. But God, whatever decisions need to be made, I pray they will be made today, either in the pew or publicly. But God, let the desire of your heart become our desire each one of us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Stand and let's sing our invitation. Go ahead and be seated for just a moment. 
Just one thing before I want uh, I turn it over to Miss Nancy. Uh, this Thursday is the National Day of Prayer, and uh, we're having a National Day of Prayer service here in our worship center from 10 to 11. Uh, we have uh, First Baptist Church, Sun City, Grand Community Baptist um, over in Surprise, and uh, Shepherd of the Hills United Methodist Church uh, joining with us. Maybe some others. We've obviously invited the community, but we'd like for you to come. Be one hour set aside to sing some and to pray a lot as we are led by different leaders. So I'd encourage you, please, take the opportunity and join not only us, but also tens of thousands of churches and groups all over the country to pray for our nation. So critical right now. Ms. Nancy? Oh, and by the way, there's an insert in your bulletin. Share that with somebody. It's about the National Day of Prayer. Make sure that you give it to somebody, okay? In just a moment, we will see a brief video about the National Day of Prayer. Men, you have today to sign up for the Men's Fellowship Breakfast, which will be Tuesday morning at 8 o'clock. Reverend Bryson Isom, who is pastor of Relentless Church, one of our ministry partners, will be the guest speaker. Frank Johnson, we've been praying for him. He will be there to give a story, I'm sure. You will not want to miss that, man. There's also a sign-up for Partners on Mission. We're going to have sub-sandwich meal on Wednesday evening, 4 o'clock, May the 11th. Um, I'm mistaken. Not Bryson will be there for this Tuesday, but Bryson will be there for the 11th. My mistake. On Tuesday, we will have Joel McElree, who will be sharing. My apologies. Just one thing for May, that's the food item that we collect and forward to St. Mary's Food Bank. You'll see on the back of your bulletin the just one thing item for May is canned fruits and veggies. We always collect one food item per month, and you have been so very generous throughout the past several years when we've been doing this. So I encourage you to continue. We had two new choir members come for Wednesday this past week when we kicked off the patriotic musical. There's still time for others of you who've been sitting on the fence, deciding if you want to join the choir, we would welcome you to be part of that. 2.45 on Wednesday. Let's see the, the National Day of Prayer video, after which Jim Ross, if you would come and lead us in our closing prayer, and we'll stand before he prays. Our Father in heaven, giver of all life and author of all things good, we entrust our great nation into your care, for it was you, our good shepherd, whom our founders followed. You are the creator and grantor of our cherished rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, all are forged by your loving grace. Guide our leaders in the paths of righteousness and justice. May their service to our nation be honoring to you, and may their decisions reflect your will. Remind us that true happiness is found only in Christ. Protect our men and women who fight for our freedom. Bless your church to shine and drive out the darkness in our cities and remind us that your kingdom is not a red state nor a blue state, 
Your kingdom is not of this earth. So we plead with you, bring conviction to our hearts and revival to this land. Send your Holy Spirit to open our hearts and come dwell with your people. Today, we honor our Creator, our Lord, our Father. Thank you for your grace and blessings. May you continue to bless our great nation. We pray to you in the name of Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Let us pray. Our dear, most gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you so much this day we could come to your house to worship you. And the message that we just heard from the Brother Kirby, dear Lord, let that sink into our hearts as we carry it away today. And dear Lord, just pray now for Thursday, National Day of Prayer, dear Lord. Millions of people across this nation praying. Oh, what an awesome feeling that is. And dear Lord, just pray with the Chronicles 2, 6, 7 is the focal verse. The two main things that stand out in those verses to me is rooted in the faith and, thank, and thankful. Dear Lord, let us all be rooted deeply into our faith by praying for our nation and being thankful that we could come to you anytime to worship you, to pray to you, dear Lord. That is the freedoms that we have as Christians today. We pray for a spiritual awakening in, within our nation, dear Lord. As we all know, the spiritual awakening in this nation is, is needed. And I also pray that we pray for our community, our state, and our cities. Dear Lord, we need more Christians. And it's our purpose that you gave us to bring more people to you. And dear Lord, just pray that we can open the doors and they can hear us all across Sun City West as we worship you every Sunday and every time we open and come into this building that we are worshiping you and say, oh, man, I'm on part of that. For all these things we ask in your holy and precious name, amen. <laughs> 